Asterisk. Noun. A star-shaped figure used chiefly to indicate an omission, a reference to a footnote, or an unattested word, sound, or affix. We are moments away from calling season 2020 and putting it in the bin. But have we gone too soon? We're here to answer the big questions and the small questions no one else is asking. This is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with food factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. Bob's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. Because we don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable with myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another special episode of Pie Hard. Uh, we have a lot for you this week, but before we get into it, um, let's welcome the Pie Hard team. Alex Watkins, how are you doing? Good, Damo. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting to talk to someone, anyone. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's great to be talking to you, and I hope you do um, notice that uh, the clarity of our conversation is a little bit clearer, um, thanks in part to the acquisition of a new headset microphone combo. Oh, new sponsor for PyHard. Well, it's a bit of that wolf blast cash trickling down into our um, into our coffers and enhancing the uh, the flow of conversation. So, looking forward to um, less dropouts. Just good to be out of here at last. And, and Jay Tarabo, it's nice to uh, nice to see your face again. How you been? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I've still got the old headset, so obviously uh, got to work a bit harder, but uh, we'll get there eventually. Well, let's have a word. We'll have a word to our uh, friends at Wolf Blast and see if we can uh, maybe extend to uh, getting a few more sets. But gentlemen, goes without saying, we are in a very uh, a very strange situation for the uh, Pie Hard podcast and Collingwood Football uh, Club. So let's get straight into it. Um, now, we all know, gentlemen, that Collingwood and Disappointment uh, are no strangers um, but the question for you guys is everything as bad as the headlines seem to suggest mm. or the uh, conversation from our um, pond scum on Twitter would have you believe. Now, we're here to deliver some takes on two of the burning questions that are facing the pies and in particular the uh, derailing of season 2020. So let's get straight into it. You would have heard at the start of the program the uh, the – definition of the word asterisk now i'm gonna ask you point blank i'm gonna start with you alex mm. in season 2020 officially an asterisk look damien or not yet it's been a question on our lips for months now and as we discussed last time our opinion of this topic vacillates week to week depending on whether we win whether we win <laughs> or lose and it's with no further ado that i'm more than happy to declare 2020 an official asterisk from my point of view. Jay Tarabo, were your thoughts on uh, asterisk or no asterisk before we um, before we figure this out? Well, I'm certainly uh, fascinating, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> not quite there yet. No, a couple more weeks. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, not expecting much, though, but we're getting close. But uh, give it a couple more weeks. Okay, so it's a no from you. So a loss against North Melbourne, is that? I think that's, that's it. That's it. Okay, so you're, you're, you're one loss away, potentially. Yeah. And yeah, Alex, I mean, you're there. The issue is that I think even if we were to have a semi-recovery and maybe patch a couple of wins together and scrape into the eight, I just think with the injury, uh, the injury profile, we're likely... We're not likely to get too far, uh, and I don't think I'm just kind of picking up on a little bit of a a downward spiral in morale in the team, and that worries me the most. So I feel like um, even if we were to, to to try and recover, we were still up against it in terms of getting deep into the finals. Now we don't want to be too negative on this podcast, and um, I think I think it's it's important to point out that. Um, 
an asterisk season in 2020 with COVID is, is potentially not the worst thing that could happen to the Collingwood Football Club in the long run. And we're a, uh, we're a podcast that is constantly looking forward um, you know, two, three years from now about um, ensuring that this football club is uh, at the top where it belongs. But a couple of questions for you guys. Could could a major malfunction in 2020 actually be the impetus to um, drive the Collingwood Football Club forward as opposed to a, let's say, a top six finish um, bundled out of a, um, out of a final everyone's reasonably, you know, happy, a little bit disappointed that we couldn't go all the way, but, you know, it's kind of business as usual. You, you're, you're right in pointing out that there's little to be gained from an early exit from finals. Unfortunately, the position we find ourselves in is potentially there's little to be gained from losing a bunch of games in the back end of the season from here on in as well. So in terms of draft picks, I mean, we're not necessarily going to pick up a lot of precious commodities uh, by finishing, you know, 10th or 11th. But um, I'm not sure what this, what the silver, uh, what's, what's the um, silver lining? That's the phrase. Silver lining? I'm not sure what the silver lining is on this situation. It feels pretty dark and grim at the moment as a Collingwood supporter. But I think given the COVID situation, uh, people's emotions have been heightened. People's expectations have been extremely high since 2018, since that fabulous run. And anything beneath a top four finish uh, and potentially even a top two finish feels like a major disappointment. Turbo? Well, I mean, I don't even want to win the flag. So, I mean, and the reason for that is, is I mean, do you really want to win the flag? Collingwood wins the flag. You're stuck at home. You can't celebrate. I don't think the AFL wants Collingwood to win. I don't think the AFL wants a Victorian team to win the flag because there's no PR, there's no media, there's no week-long celebrations, partying on the street, you know, six pages in the Herald Sun. None of that's going to happen because you can't do anything. So do you even want to do, – do, do you want to win? Look, instinctively, I think I'm kind of with you. Like, it just feels so bittersweet not being able to go to the G. I mean, that's been one of the things we've really been grappling with for months now is like, why are we footy fans? And what is that experience that we treasure so much? For me, it's walking through Fitzroy Gardens from the Union Club Hotel there in Fitzroy, uh, seeing the light towers rear up through the trees and going into a packed MCG and the excitement of being part of something bigger than myself. And I feel like um, without that, maybe there isn't any point in... Uh, in winning the flag. But on the other hand, I'm a bit worried because all the COVID talk at the moment is that perhaps we won't get a vaccine until late 2021. So what does that mean? We're just going to like pack it up for next year as well. We've got to come good at some stage, at least as in its prime. And um, it feels like, it feels like a cheap out not to, to try our hardest. Would, would winning consecutive COVID cups, so back-to-back asterisks, amount to one normal premiership mm. potentially? Mm, you're on something is, there an, is there another way of looking at that and going, okay, well, let's win it this year and that's a half win, but then if we win it again next year pre-vaccine, that becomes, you know, the sum of its parts? Is that a double asterisk? <laughs> oh, it is. It is a double asterisk. Wow. Cancels it out, right? Two, two's so. great, one's bad. I think you're right, Alex. I, I'm picking up on that as well. And I think as a society, um, we are slowly starting to realise what football means for a society that is, um, you know, spends all of its working week slaving away for the man. And then on the weekend, there's this valve release mm. in the form of, um, you know, 110,000 people at the MCG yelling and screaming their head off with um, several pints under their belt. And I, I, I'm finding what's happening is without that release, we're seeing um, buildings on fire. We're seeing looting, we're seeing pillaging, we're seeing violence levels up, and we're seeing torrents, torrents of um, social media hatred. Is this all happening in Collingwood? This is all happening everywhere. This is global. Mm. And, um, yeah, my, my, my feeling is that, 
Yeah, beyond the uh, beyond the enjoyable parts of um, watching the footy at, at a pub with with friends or at home um, with large groups of people or attending the MCG games at the MCG, we're seeing a um, a sort of dismantling of the uh, of the social hierarchy and chaos is ensuing. Yeah, well, it's a pressure cooker environment as you're alluding to, but I think in a Collingwood context, it's even higher pressure based legitimately on our list profile and our expectations. Mm. And totally. it's one thing being Gold Coast and seeing them play some kids and starting to get some enthusiasm f- back in, in your appreciation of the game. But for us, since 2018, our expectations have been extraordinarily high. Mm. Uh, our list feels and looks like it's in, some, in, in its prime in terms of age profile. We've mm. still got old warriors like Pendlebury, um, Sidebottom, um, <clears throat> Lyndon Dunn playing, and it just feels like this is, is just exacerbating that frustration mm. for me because the COVID is taking away these golden years. Demo, well, let's talk about let's talk about list management for a second because um, yes, we had the success of two thousand and eighteen. We'd made some acquisitions that didn't um, deliver in the form of, of Dane Beams. We'd given up a fair bit for that. We'd also brought in some top end talent, IQ. Uh, and a few others. So it felt like we did have a balanced side. I certainly felt after the Hawthorne game that, you know, a couple of those kids, R2 and um, IQ had kind of uh, had taken a step up and the future looked quite bright mm. for the for the team. And then you fast forward, what, three or four games and our list is really coming under fire. Uh, for that reason, we have a lot of old heads. We have sort of this mid, mid bracket of, um, of kids who have, kind of been in the system for, you know, anywhere between three to six years who have, you know, it's fair to say, let's not, let's not write them off, but it's fair to say there's a lot of inconsistency with that team. And we're also starting to see some, um, some players who in a full team are able to contribute, but, you know, when, when depth is exposed, you know, have really come up lacking. And I think, I, I guess the question for me is Collingwood always seems to be a club that sort of has to bottom out um, to take action. I mean, we've never really been good at um, assessing a situation, um, you know, maybe mid-tier and making some hard calls. It's only ever been when things get really, really bad that it kind of forces the the status quo into action. And I think in many ways that's good. That's cathartic. That's um, what the Collingwood Football Club needs. And we'll we'll talk about about coaches. We'll talk about players. We'll talk about um, presidents. You know, we'll talk about list strategies. But... I don't think it's a bad thing to be in a situation where there's a lot of eyes on the team and there's a lot of decisions that, that are going to be made and, and hard decisions, um, decisions around players' futures and decisions around, you know, how to take this club forward. And I think if anything in COVID 2020, um, I'd much prefer to be in this this situation with a lot of soul searching than to kind of be feeling like we're thereabouts um, at the end of the season. So... You think get get rid of the, all that pain and suffering in one big dose? You know, we're, have, we're so. having a shit yeah. year. Let's take take the medicine. Yeah, let, let's take take the axe to the club and just really get in there and see if we can uncover the the rot inside the fabric of the place and um, start afresh. Is that what you're thinking? If there is rot, like you know, if there is rot, but I think the only way to understand that is to really take a, a, a deep inward look at the club, the mm. list, some of the players who haven't kicked on, um, and and make some ruthless calls. And I don't think you do that, and I don't think you make those decisions when the team, or as many of those decisions, when the team is is doing okay. I think it, it takes a moment um, where you are, you know, where the anger. And the frustration and, dare I say, the emotion bubbles over before those decisions are forced. Turbo? Just, I mean, this is also, I mean, you know, we could really, if we can get in, you know, the draft's a lottery this year. No kids have been playing. So if we've been doing our homework, perhaps some of the other teams haven't, we could really get in and smash out some trades and get a bunch of draft picks because maybe other clubs will think that they're less valuable because they don't really know 
the question, you know, everyone will have a bit of a question mark over them because you haven't seen them play for a season uh, and or even their fitness. So maybe there's an opportunity to, to swoop in and uh, clean up uh, on the forgotten draft. Bring in, bring in some fast top end talent to, to complement what is a, a pretty strong list and you know, the COVID Cup of 2021 is looking a little bit a uh, little bit brighter. And then given that we can't research the talent at all, we end up with like five new Brad Dicks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, well, let's move along. The only thing worse than getting thumped by uh, a fledgling shell club like Melbourne is not following us on socials. So what the hell are you doing? Uh, search at Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your uh, podcasts from uh, to never miss an episode of Pie Hard's White Hot Cultural Takes. Okay, so we're moving on. Now, this was a very popular segment last well, two weeks ago, and we've, we've brought it back. Um, and that segment is Blasphemy. Take it away, Al. At Pie Hard, we ask the tough questions. But some questions even we struggle to broach. Until we've had our fill of 2018 Wolf Blast, Yellow Label Merlot, that is. Emboldened by the velvety plum depths and high alcohol content of these most exceptional wines, we develop the Dutch courage to go where no one else dares. And this is how we ask the questions no one else dares to ask. Introducing a new segment exclusive to Pie Hard. Blasphemy. Here's to the chase. All right, so this week's uh, Blasphemy. I've been looking forward to this, boys. A real catharsis ahead, and that's what Blasphemy is all about. So pour out a glass of red and really get some stuff off your chest. So this week we have the 2012, um, oh, yeah, 2012 Grey Label Wolf Blast oh, Shiraz. Wow. Yes. And Absolutely. So, as always, we'll start with the tasting. It's very crimson. It looks darker than I, I, I would have expected. Mm. It's a step, step da- below the silver label. Dark, yeah. cherry, almost um, almost a, a, a viscous, uh, dark, swampy mm, Sludge. <laughs> mm. I say, a bit you of a funky odour. A bit of a funky <laughs> odour. It is 2012, so perhaps it's been down for too long. Perhaps it's a bit oxidised. Um, perhaps the cork has begun to fissure and allow mm. air into that beautiful supple uh, grape juice. Definitely looks like it's been stepped on. <laughs> yes. I think it's been stepped on a few times. And um, come 2020, the 2012 vintage of Nathan Buckley is tasting a bit funky. Mm. And that leads us into this week's instalment of Blasphemy. I'm wondering how long is a good sample size for a coach? How many years do you play under a coach before you get an accurate depiction of their strengths and weaknesses and their potential to lead you to a premiership? My sense of this is that around a decade mark, around 10 years, you've got a really good sample size to be able to judge a coach accurately. Now, if we wind the clock back a little bit and we think of uh, pie-hard favourite Michael Malthouse, and if we compare Mick's coaching tenure at Collingwood with the same point in Nathan's coaching tenure at Collingwood, Nathan's now, at the end of this year, will be nine years into the job. At the end of the 2008, Mick Malthouse was nine years into the job. And you, you, it's difficult to forget what took place in, in around that 2008-2009 period, we had the introduction of the succession plan. And so back in the day, that was seen by the Collingwood hierarchy, read Eddie Maguire, to be a really good juncture approaching the decade mark to analyse the strengths of the coach and potentially put into play some planning for the future of the club. And I put it to you guys that at this juncture, we need to do the same thing with Nathan. Malthouse, after nine years in charge of Collingwood, we had played in two grand finals, one preliminary final, and we'd missed the finals in four other years. If you compare that to Buckley, after nine years, at the end of 2020, 
assuming uh, we either scrape into the finals or miss the finals but don't go far, Buckley will have had two preliminary finals, one grand final, and four years missing the finals. So it's really comparable between the two mm. coaches. You've got Moldhouse um, has had two grannies, one prelim. Buckley's had two prelims, one granny, and neither of them had had a premiership with Collingwood. So with that in mind, I'd like to apply the same logic that the hierarchy, Eddie Maguire, put on his decision-making to bring the succession plan into action all those years ago. I'd like to apply that same logic to Nathan. I think that Nathan has a good record without being a great record. I think his trajectory until recently has been promising and I think his relationship with the players uh, from all reports is very strong. And he's got a bunch of players who are basically in their prime and ready, we believe, to perform at the top level and to, to push our club into contention right now, basically, in this next couple of years. So I'm suggesting a succession plan for Nathan. Now, wow. we've got two years coming up with this nucleus of our list who we expect to perform really uh, well in the context of the competition. I think that we, Nathan's now got two years to deliver a premiership, and if he doesn't, he's out. It just so happens that at the conclusion of 2022, which will be in two years after this season, there's another bloke who's out of contract. Mark Bomber-Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Lyon? <laughs> I don't think you can um, coach via Zoom from jail, but no, there's another bloke. <laughs> Alastair Clarkson. Now, I've heard of him. It's yeah, not heard of him. a radical view, but it's mm. it's an accurate view to put him up there as one of the great coaches of the modern era. The AFL clubs are more and more going with experienced sorts rather than um, untried rookies. And I think if Buckley cannot deliver us the trophy in the next two seasons after this year, so it's a two-year contract extension for Nathan, which I think is generous mm. under the circumstances, if he can't deliver that, I think we have to throw the kitchen sink at Clarkson because he is, he is the one proved elite decision maker in the game who can adapt our club no matter what the circumstances and get the best out of our list. What do you think? Yeah, look, um, I don't think there's a single Collingwood supporter out there that wouldn't endorse wholeheartedly um, the at least the notion of what a four-time living legend premiership coach potentially um, coming over to Collingwood. I think, I think that is growing, that, that is gaining traction the more you think about it. The only thing that, I, that, that worries me a little bit about Clarkson is he's going from one sort of dictatorial, loudmouth, crazy psychopath president to another. Um, <laughs> and potentially that could be a little bit of a, um, of a little bit of a sticking point re-contract negotiations. But I really like the strategy, Al, and I'll tell you why I like the strategy of giving Barkley another two years because as we all know on Pie Hard, a contract isn't worth the uh, Spices Paper A4 180 GSM paper it's 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 inked on. So mm. I think um, <laughs> I would I would I would I would hazard to say that you would give Buckley a two-year performance-based contract, mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't see anything wrong in if if Buckley, after the first year, fails to live up to that. So um, and the Clarkson year. window isn't necessarily open yet. Potentially uh, introducing an interim coach. Mm. Um, uh, just to, you know, facilitate some, some new thinking before the, uh, the master comes in. I think it's, I, my point is, I think it's win-win. Mm. I, I don't think you have much to, um, to, to lose by, by going down that route. So actually I'm thoroughly behind this blasphemy. I've got to say turbo. Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. Um, but I don't agree. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, Clarkson really. Yeah, Turbo, say it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. We've, it we've is got to, blasphemy. We've, we've got to get that. We've got to get a number of those. It's I mentioned definitely in for a uh, from a right. uh, you know contractual. Yeah, 
It's definitely blasphemy. Uh, and I don't agree. I don't I don't necessarily agree that Buckley should stay the coach, but I definitely don't think we should go after some nostalgia uh, and chase Clarkson. Uh, history shows that... What's this still talking about getting never... <laughs> He's four. He's, he's, when, when was the last time he won a flag? He's young. He's like, he's, what, he's like 52, he's like, isn't he? Exactly. Exactly. That's young. No. No. He's gone. He's finished. What's he done? Every, wow. Do you want to do play? What's he do done? Do you realize that the team will be... I know what he's done. Sorry. Do you realize <laughs> that the team will be unwatchable for the next few years when we're rebuilding Clarkson, um, playing this dour, horrible style of football, not to lose by 10 goals uh, until we actually become good. I don't want to sit through that. I would rather chase some young, fresh coaching blood. Uh, I don't know you how like to name coaches young. I like my coaches young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is young, there anyone experienced. in the system at the moment? <laughs> Is there anyone who you think could fit the bill, Turbo? No, I don't have a name, unfortunately. Which is which is about which is a problem. You should never have a solution to a problem. I mean, you should always have a solution to a problem. But uh, I don't have that at the moment. We we had we had the best. We had the, the best. Solution. Yeah, we had the best up and coming emerging coach in the game who tactically has you have to say is a large you know, has a large hand in in the resurgence of Collingwood in that in that 2018 yeah, year and Tony Justin Shaw, Tony Shaw also had his problems in the club so. <laughs> <laughs> well we've still got Tony on um on the uh on the uh roto facts yeah let's bring him back you know <laughs> Kicking goals down at um in real estate at the moment, I think so. You could bring that angle too, but yeah, Justin Longmuir. Justin Longmuir was that person. He was that guy, and he's um very early on in his tenure at um, Fremantle. But um, by all reports, players love playing for him. He's a very he's a very new age coach. Look, he's he's gone. very he's, he's very Paul Ruse. He's off the cards. I mean, he's he's been snapped up. But I just think Collingwood's such a big club. Don't we need that experienced head? Let's create one. <laughs> Let's create an experience here. What, in a lab? Yeah, exactly. My take on all of this is we do better with outsiders. Mm. I've always said this. The Collingwood bubble, once, you, once you've bought into that Collingwood bubble and there's all the, the weight of expectation as we touched on at the start of the program, there's the, the numerous amount of lost flags, there's the sentimentality, there's the love for players that, you know, maybe are a year past it, but you know what, you've, you've been a good Collingwood bloke, so we're going to give you another year and it's mm. side by side and all that bullshit. You know what? We do well when we bring in the Mick Malthouses, when we bring in the Lee Matthews, when we bring in the Tommy Hafies, when we bring in people from outside of the system who come in and they're like, we don't, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about your, um, your, your final in, in whatever. 1990 or you know how good your team was in 2010 this is what we need to do and this is the hard decisions he's out you're out and and, and bring in that um that kind of uh that new broom that sweeps clean well it's decided then uh tom hafey you're in <laughs> i think we're about three years too late on on hafey but <laughs> could be a weekend at bernie's style uh set up <laughs> oh, on yeah. the boundary line uh, yeah <laughs> But speaking of really, really interesting though, but speaking of, um, of coaches, we've been doing a little bit of, of research and I think this flows on from our last segment, but we are obviously as Collingwood supporters, very familiar with coaching handovers, mm. but what about handbacks? Now it's not the handback that uh, that you're thinking of, Turbo. Um, that you've <laughs> with some, the, sometimes with the inexperienced coaches overseas. Um, <laughs> but look, we've looked at we've looked at a history of coaches who have coached the same team twice, and it sounds absolutely ridiculous. But hear me out, gentlemen. It's actually quite common in American sports. So specifically the NHL, which has had a huge that's the ice hockey um, turbo, just in case you weren't sure, um, which has a, a strong track record of bringing back much loved and much lo respected coaches, um, often a couple of years past their, uh, their tenure. Now, we are a big fan of the – they were the Oakland Raiders and now the Las Vegas Raiders. We love the Raiders for their tough – and unflinching and vicious imagery. Mm, the um, but their their current coach, John 
knock on wood if you're with me, Gruden, Gruden. was actually um, – he, he was a head coach of the Raiders in, I think, 98 to 2001 with moderate success. But they brought him back because they thought culturally it was really important to have someone in the fabric back in the team. Turbo. Mm. The twist with Gruden, though, I don't know if you heard the story. He actually got fired from the Raiders and then he left and went to coach at Tampa Bay. And the next year he won the Super Bowl and guess who they played? The Raiders. Ooh. So he went... To, to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl against the Raiders, and then yeah. the Raiders brought him back after. So that's, Which that's is, a weird that, – that, that'd be a horrible twist. I think that's a brilliant twist. I think it's like we, we got rid of this guy. He then goes and finds success, and it's, it's big for a club to put their hand up and say, we fucked up, and it cost us. Not only did it cost us, he did it against our team and, and bring them back. AFL would be like, oh, well, we've, we've, we missed that shot. It's only if he wins, starts winning Super Bowls with the Raiders, though. If he doesn't, then it'd be like, you'd be pretty annoyed. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think there's an aspect of that. I also think it's, 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 it's much to do about the organization and culture over there. So using the Hello. Raiders analogy, I mean, they're off to Vegas. So what are we going to go to, Macau? <laughs> no, we'd have to go to, we'd have to go. Is there a floating um, casino off Tasmania yet? <laughs> yeah. We might have to look a little bit closer. We, we are in Marangaroo. So... The new crown at Barangaroo, maybe we could. But, yeah, there is a history, I should say. That it's not, not just um, – we've lost a lot of people. A lot of people probably switched off then when we started talking about NFL. But uh, there is a history um, in the AFL of coaches um, coming back, multiple stints. Alan Jeans, Hawthorne. David Parkin coached Carlton twice, and I believe he won a premiership during both of those stanzas. Mm. Uh, looking a little bit closer to home, Bob Rose, he had two reigns. One was a, a, a diabolical, um, uh, painful, long-suffering reign in the 60s and early 70s, and then he kind of came back as that kind of interim coach we were talking about before, before um, the appointment of Lee Matthews. But my question for you boys, if it's so... F- difficult and hard to find a successful premiership winning coach. We had one, we got rid of it. Why are we so quick to move away from them? And is this the time to consider a coaching handback? Turbo, I'll start with you. No. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, I, I mean, you know, we could also look at a switcheroo. Um, we've seen AFL clubs and coaches swap, uh, like Northy and Walls. Parkin did it with Walls as well. Uh, the switcheroo, so you we could do Clarks and Wife swap scenario. Wife swap, coach swap. Uh, or we could do what the Boston Celtics did, and we could trade. We could The Boston Celtics traded their coach to a club for a first-round draft pick. Wow. So yeah. maybe wow. we could see if there's any value uh, in Buckley out there, get the feelers out there, <laughs> and then and then see what he's worth on the market. And no, I, think it's, I think it's dropping. I think we have our values dropping. <laughs> Alex, what are your thoughts on the handback? North Melbourne has always been obsessed with Buckley, and I'm sure they'd give us the Chrome Dome reshore in exchange for bucks. Not that I'm suggesting that's what we should do because it's not. Look, I think I've always admired the NFL for going with older coaches and. They don't put this arbitrary expiry date on coaches. If they're successful, they know what they're doing and, and they've got that kind of wisdom from, from so long in the system. Someone like Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick, um, I think there's others uh, testing my depth of knowledge of the NFL, but I just think that um, having respect for the older types is a good thing and we're often too quick to move people on. And with that in mind, I don't see any reason apart from the fact that I think he has no strategic nous whatsoever, why we couldn't bring Lee back into the fold. Okay, well, I think you've, we've just landed on a Pie Heart exclusive here. The next Collingwood handover is indeed a Collingwood hand back to none other than lethal Lee Matthews. Okay, so we all know that the uh, players are doing it quite tough up there at the... Uh, two-and-a-half-star Twin Waters Resort in uh, beautiful Maroochydore. But, of course, they are missing friends and family. And we did we did see something on socials recently that did, let's say, warm the cockles of this cold, cold-steeled 
pie hard machine. Alex, what did we see? What did we love about it? And what do we want to see uh, more of? Well, Damon, I'm not sure it warmed my cock, but uh, I think that it is an opportunity to get into some real fangirling. <laughs> Sorry. Um, just laugh at the word cock. We're so mature here at Pi. We are all 25, by the way, so... This mm, this yeah, little this little segment which we've teed up it feels like we're going full pie hard fangirling. Of course, we're the only official fangirling podcast mm. for Collingwood. They um, call them stands now. You know that Stan is that stalker right? fans? Yeah, stalker oh, fans. Okay, yeah. well we're very much stands and proud of it. And this particular one, uh, it seems feels like we're almost trolling through a certain bin on the on the roadside in Ferntree Gully <laughs> because we're getting all kinds of insights into um, Collingwood players that I just feel like it's improper to have. Mm, mm. And I don't know where this photo came from. It's obviously a social media thing, but at Pie Hard mm. we found a photo on the internet which was posted this week by Jaden Stevenson and it's um, mm. an image which has a whole... Uh, array of items kind of splayed mm. out neatly on a bed which mm. have been posted to Jaden in the hub by... Okay, I'm just looking at it now. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, continue. Yeah, well, I just think it's a beautiful little insight into like not just what our, one of our young star players um, likes to eat, how he likes to wash, how he likes to smell, but it's also an insight into I think some of his psychology and if we just mm. go through some of these items uh, in the player care package, which was sent to Jaden by family, we can get a real uh, kind of deep dive look at the the man himself. Now we've got mm. top left, we've got Nescafe, but not just any Nescafe, it's Nescafe Vanilla. And mm. I think he's a vanilla kind of guy. I did. Mm. I think when he got drafted, there were stories about how he only eats like peanut butter sandwiches or something. Um, wheat bix, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wheat yeah, bix. bix, was it? Yeah. Um, so he loves his Nescafe vanilla. We've got um, one thing that caught my eye is a packet of summer rolls. And also mm. above the packet there's five or six loose summer rolls as, as if mum got the loose ones and then was like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to get a whole packet. And so I think he's got about mm. 12 to 15 summer rolls. And if if you don't know what I'm talking about, summer mm. roll I think was a, from memory, a confectionery made by a company called Europa. Was that correct? Mm. That's right. And um, all I can remember about these bloody summer rolls is how they just get clagged in your teeth, almost impossible to eat. This is like confectionery from the 1950s, you know? And it made me think, Mm. I'm surprised we haven't listed Jaden alongside the likes of Will Hoston Elliott as one of our World War I diggers because some (laughs) of this is pretty old school, but we love him for it. We love the fact that he's got old-fashioned values, uh, except Mm. the political ones. We've got Christine's big crossword in the player care package uh, with Drew Barrymore on the cover. And, well, who's Christine? Um, well, it just says Christine's big crossword. Oh, okay. It's a magazine with crosswords right. in it. Uh, that didn't really excite me too much, but mm. nearby the crossword, we have actually have some crossword scratchies. scratchies. I thought that oh, was incredibly okay. dangerous given Jaden's history with gambling. So <laughs> mum's probably needs to take it, you know, the foot off there. Um, well, maybe this is just mum placating that um, that thirst or that need to ensure that there's no um, there's no bubble over. Mm, that's charitable of you. Mm. Um, Mentos, Crown Mints, and Extra. So he's a man who likes to have good breath. Um, and given some of the salacious rumours that have been circling recently about Jaden, mm. that those items allegedly. will come into allegedly will come into uh, use in the mm. coming um, weeks in the hub. But let's talk about the big ticket item here, personal fragrance. <laughs> now, Jaden, he's got the Rexona original, which I respect. I think that was my deodorant of choice at high school. It's a classic fragrance. Mm. But, geez, that's a heady mix when mixed with Jacques Bogart Silver Scent, a very mm. heady mix. And I did a little bit of digging. I hadn't heard of Jacques. Bogart Silver Scent. Um, of course, it's, it's owned by the group Bogart on the 13th, uh, the 13th Rue Pierre Le Rue in uh, Paris. Um, mm. Their motto is Je ne crée que pour l'homme. I create only for men. Uh, it's a slogan <laughs> responsible for the popularity of the brand, 
since mm-hmm. its creation in 1975, Jacques Bogart has continued to assert, and this is the advertising copy, continued mm-hmm. to assert its position in a very masculine world where virility and strength of character reign. And that, my friends, is an insight into the brittle mentality of the young blonde. He's a guy who's being omitted from the team, high draft pick, mm. who seems from the outside to have lost his mojo. And to be blunt, he feels that Nathan's emasculated him in front of the group. And he's mm. going back to Jacques Bogart to try and amplify that masculinity again. Um, so what does it say about Jaden? Well... It says that his mum shops at Kogan because I think that's the only place you can buy Jacques Bogart mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. But it also says that there's a man here and the whole player care package idea speaks to this. There's a man here, and I, I mean this seriously, who probably is very close to his family and I think he has these intimate connections as we all do. But being a very young man, 21 years old, I think that Jaden more than most perhaps is feeling the distance from family. And I've got no doubt that in the hub environment, very unnatural environment to be away from home for this long, we feel it, being away from the MCG for this long. And I think that's bleeding down to the players and I think it's a genuine one of the reasons why we're struggling. Someone like Jaden, um, the morale might be a bit down, needs mum to send him a care package to, to pick him up. Demo. I'm just I'm just wondering. I mean, I, I love this, and I think we've all been on the receiving end of a uh, of a care package from our uh, our mum or our or our dad or or a, or, a, or a parental figure at some at some point. So this really strikes this really strikes the uh, you know the chords uh, for me. Mm. A couple of things. The first thing is surely this is all available at the kiosk at the Twin Waters Resort. Uh, deodorant, Nescafe, Oreos, chewing gum. I mean, this, these are not hard to get items. So the, the first thing I was just wondering is, is is there some sort of issue with Twin Waters around stocking basic amenities that is potentially impacting um, the performance of the team? And my second point is uh, I'm not a dietitian or, or a nutritionist, but there, there does appear to be a lot of sugar uh, now I'm see- I am seeing 73 summer rolls, uh, 43 mint slices, a packaged up kind of Woolworths variety chocolate mud cake, um, butter menthols, soothers, the natural confectionery company Berry Blisses, Mentos, the van- the the aforementioned vanilla scented Nescafe. Now it just strikes me as potentially not the best. Uh, food that uh, an elite athlete would want to be consuming uh, during the middle of a uh, of a form funk, uh, Turbo. Well, I think that I think we're thinking along the same lines, and and I know that there are all these uh, salacious rumors out there, but could it be that the uh, club dietitian got a wind of the package, and perhaps this was the reason behind Stevenson mysteriously getting mm. dropped? from the mm-hmm. team last week. Wow. And if not, if not, I'm putting 50 bucks on him to get best on ground this weekend now that he's had the care package. Because I think that he's feeling like a bit, you know, he's obviously missing home. He gets the package. He feels a bit more comfortable. Maybe releases a bit. I know I know it's full of sugar, but it releases a bit of the stress. Gets to spray on a bit of Rexona before running out onto the ground. Mm-hmm. The old Jacques Bogart. Jacques Bogart. Definitely first goal. This weekend, you'll see it. Let's keep an eye on him at the huddle and just see if he's chewing, um, you know, kind of in the same vein as a faf duplessis might um, use a lolly to rub the shiny side of a ball. We might see Jaden chewing uh, one of many sugary uh, treats in the huddle. Damo? Well, uh, I'm no connoisseur of Jacques uh, Bogart's fragrance, but again, just taking the pie-hard approach to this, potentially there is, potentially this cologne is so foul-smelling, so pungent, so strong, so displeasing in terms of its, its, um, its, its visceral palate that this is a strategy from Jane's mum to potentially push back opponents Mm. Uh, to give him two or three meters in the forward line, uh, 
to break away, rediscover some of that form that he had one or two years ago, and yeah, maybe bring back some of the uh, some some of the Steve O magic that we've so so been missing this season, Turbo. And we've all been twenty one before, so we all know that you with. Uh, Aftershave, it's definitely something that you do apply liberally hmm. uh, at a younger age that slowly tapers off as you get older. So it could definitely be a tactic. Al? That's right. You would think that he'd still be on the links, the skinny man. Mm. I'm but surprised. I'm just wondering yeah. why Jacques Bogart hasn't taken this opportunity, and if they haven't, then they should if they're listening, to um, name Jaden as an ambassador because I know mm. just trawling through their financial report, which I managed to download today, um, the Bogart Group, Group Bogart, mm. reported uh, a consolidated turnover of 41 million euros. Wow. Down 42% from 72 million euros because of COVID. So they need someone of the um, echelon of, of Jaden mm. to kind of get their sales back on track after this calamity. And dare I say, um, you know, $29 for a, uh, a fine... Uh, French cologne is an absolute bargain. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I've spent, I, I hate to admit it, I've spent $150 on cologne before. So if you can get away with, um, you know, that's a lot of Jacques uh, a Bogat right there. If you can get away with uh, some change from a, from a 30, you're doing well. Now, I wanted to ask you guys on the subject of uh, player care packages, just maybe throwing it out there to the uh, Pie Hard team, and I'm putting you on the spot for this one, but uh, is there any uh, any Collingwood players that you think are maybe in need of and or deserving of a player uh, care package? What would be in said player care package? And if we like the response from you, gentlemen, we might be able to uh, get our, our team of interns onto the case and maybe even break the fourth wall by sending a, a care package up to uh, the the marvelous Twin Waters Resort. I might start with, uh, sure with you, Turbo. I'm sure that'll get in. Uh, that get in getting quite easily. You know, mysterious package to the Twin Waters <laughs> a few Black days powder. before a game. Uh, as long sounds, as it's not ticking. Uh, as long as it's not ticking. Yeah, it's what, not what's ticking. your uh, What's your take? What's your uh, What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, it's funny because uh, I was uh, I saw um, I don't know if you're following Maynard on on Instagram, but he also post uh, post posted the same one. But he just had a simple CD uh, and a book, uh, and the book was actually called entitled uh, "How to Look Like Scott Pendlebury," and by Scott Pendlebury. <laughs> um, so that one was in Maynard's package, along with just one a CD. Uh, only one song on repeat, um, which is Killing in the Name Off by Rage Against the Machine. Apparently, it's his mm. pre-game song. Mm. Oh and God. a book entitled uh, Weekend Chill, Weekend, uh, sorry, Weekday Chill, Weekend Rage. Mm. Um, oh, perhaps uh, entitled, which is why he's uh, so angry uh, on the field. But yeah, just a, a few things from Maynard's package. Al? Yeah, look, I think... One very clever Collingwood player is young Jordan Dugowie, the thick-head snake. And one thing um, that he's had to deal with in his short uh, life is um, probably not getting as much care as he would like from mum. And mm -hmm. hence, you know, I think we've seen him take that out a little bit on his dog and the frisbee and whatnot and um, some of his escapades after dark. But things are looking up for Jordan because in his recent sponsorship agreement, he was able to double up and get his sponsors to not only pay him to promote their brand, be ambassador for their brand, but also to send him the occasional, and I mean weekly, player care packages. package. That's a PCP from Monster Energy, weekly to the hub for Jordan. He gets a slab of Monster, and um, especially given he's not playing out with a sore finger, um, that sugar is just coursing through his veins waiting for an imminent comeback. So, Jordan, he's got it made. Can't, can never have enough monster energy, right? That stuff is um, big fan of monster energy. When we're not drinking uh, Wolf Blast on this show, we all have a big can of the, uh, what is it, the 1.25 litre. Mm, we uh, tend to mix the, the Wolf Blast with the monster. It's called a Gary Rybold and it fizzes right up down the hatchet. You get a you get bang for your buck. You get a bit of energy, and you get a, a, some tannins in the background. Free with a free defibrillator, I think these days now. <laughs> I did like I did like um, I did also notice, gentlemen. I saw that um, one of our favourite emerging magpies, Isaac Quainer, mm. 
uh, also had received a um, care package from his uh, his family. Uh, his was a bit more refined. I'll, I'll go through the um, the list of contents. Um, the first thing was a vape pen um, oh. with an assorted uh, pack of um, of scented uh, smoking flavors. Wow. Uh, the second thing was a Segway. A Segway is, um, as we know, uh, <laughs> one of the uh, one of those things you ride around. Um, and then, no surprise, a set of a pair of leather brogues. Um, obviously a very stylish, or the segue. <laughs> a very stylish and refined man to go on the, on the brogues. But this is what really piqued my interest. Um, a pair of the hidden socks, you know, the socks that actually don't, they're just, they're, they're below the ankle. Yeah. Yes. Um, just for a little bit of style, uh, well, strutting nice, around. Nice ankles. Mm. Um, he does look good, doesn't he? And uh, the last thing was the latest issue of – it was two issues. It was an issue of, of GQ and an issue of Playboy. And that was just to, um, you know, get a bit of a cultural uh, stylish fill uh, in between games as he recuperates whilst the, uh, the uh, ginormous gash mm. on his uh, shin uh, heals. Now, I think we've managed to cover off a fair bit today, gentlemen, but there is one more thing that I do want to touch on. And look, we are all big fans of emerging technology on this podcast. And one app that we've been watching for a while now that has really piqued our interest is um, is currently blowing up the uh, or take the world by storm i should say and that is it's the cameo app now are you guys familiar with the cameo app oh yeah now for those that don't know the cameo app lets ordinary people pay celebrities to record personalized messages for fans upon request so you pay for a celebrity to give you a a shout out message um, it could be for a birthday, it could be for a, uh, a bar mitzvah, it could be some form of celebration, it could be just for a laugh. And we've seen a lot of, um, a lot of celebrities take up the cameo. Even some, uh, some Australian rules footballers have, have jumped on board. So we wanted to ask the question to you guys, and we might put this out to our audience, that um, you know, if, if you guys were to choose a current Collingwood footballer to do a shout-out, who would it be, why, and what would you ask them to do? So I might start with you, Turbo, on this one. Well, it's funny because uh, I didn't uh, actually uh, choose a player, and there's actually another site uh, mm. that is blowing up uh, quite a lot mm. uh, that you probably uh, may not have heard of yet, but it's Cameo Roasts. Um, Cameo Roast. Very similar to Cameo, but instead of uh, words of encouragement, uh, it's a roast. And uh, we, uh, we all know mm. what a roast is, but it's when mm. you are, uh, yes, yes mm. salacious comments. And, uh, and actually, the most popular person on there related to the Collingwood Football Club is Trey Rusco's mum. Mm. Uh, so we all know she's blown up uh, from, her, from her call uh, the other week, and she's, uh, she's taken it to the bank. And mm. she's really big on uh, on cameo roasts, so I would uh, be getting her on, uh, maybe to roast pie hard, mm. uh, and some of the things that we come up with that we think are funny and maybe aren't. Um, but that's yeah, that's who I would be uh, be looking at. Al, we did. We did oh, sorry, just before I go to you, Al, we did. We did call Trey Rusco's mum out, didn't we? When she when she made that call in the last um, in the last episode of Pie Hard, just saying that this woman has a long prosperous and storied career in the media ahead of her if she should choose it uh whip smart funny to a t um you, you know you, you're you lady next door type type vibe perfect for the collingwood football club so it actually does not surprise me whatsoever that she is blowing up on uh on the uh the social channels sorry al look i hate this app <laughs> <laughs> i think that it's the biggest crock of shit i mean <laughs> I've only seen one actual cameo, which one of you guys shared, which was of an Eston football, an Irish guy, giving a shout-out to some random. And he spent, like, all of seven seconds mumbling in, like, 
you know, Northern Irish slang at this stranger. <laughs> and Daily legible. How much did he get paid for? Very lackluster effort. It was, so it was uh, one of my good friends. Uh, had a, uh, It was his 40th birthday. Uh, and in a pie-hard way, we, you know, always have a bit of a joke. So we thought we'd get Conor McKenna because he's a huge Essendon fan, mm. uh, you know, to get to to say happy birthday. And we, you know, we uh, we open up our wallets uh, between the three of us and, and really, uh, you know, Got the cash How out, much? and it, it was How forty-five dollars. Ridiculous. Uh, forty-five dollars uh, for an eligible. And, uh, I mean, can you? Uh, well, I just sorry to cut you off. Can you ask for a redo? Because I would be going back to that guy and saying, "I only I uh, yeah. understand a word you said." He should have to pay forty-five for that. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was an extra. I, I, I only saw the product uh, after it was finished, so uh, I, I didn't uh, facilitate it. But uh, but it was a very uh, lackluster effort. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, well, you know, I mean, the kids. You know, maybe that's all you need from the kids these days. Al, look, all good apps have basically ripped off a previous not so good app, uh, and mm. that goes with anything on the internet. I'm talking mm. about MySpace, mm. and then we have Facebook. Mm. and there was Napster, and now we have Spotify. And so mm. you have to build on the shit which is on the web. Mm. And in this case, I think Cameo is the shit that we need yes. to build on. And I've got an idea, chaps. Mm. I think we boost this concept, this basic concept, into something far more glorious and insightful. I'm calling it Deus Ex Machina. Now, Ooh. cameo obviously is a theatrical reference, a phrase. A cameo is a, you know, a bit part actor who comes on, you know, a well-known person who comes on stage just for a short part. Mm. Deus Ex Machina, also a theatrical term. And for those of you who don't mm. follow your Greek tragedy, it's when mm. towards the end of the play, a god is introduced by means of a crane. Mm. And basically in, in most ancient Greek and Roman dramas, that god comes in from the clouds and decides the final outcome. Hmm. And literally translated, deus ex machina is not a motorcycle slash uh, attire <laughs> Sweatshirt, brand yeah. in Bali. It's, it means God from the machine. It's a mm. plot device whereby a seemingly unsolvable problem, and there's, mm. there's the important part, a seemingly unsolvable problem in a story is suddenly and abruptly resolved mm. by an unexpected and unlikely God-like Interference, and the app Deus Ex Machina I'm talking about is going to make use of X players and X identities in the game to come in and solve problems in current clubs. And stay with me here. I'm talking about bringing back dead people. Jock McHale comes in, analyzes mm. what the fuck's wrong with our coaching department. Gordon Coventry comes in mm. and looks at our goalkeeping woes while we can't kick mm. straight. Darren Mullane comes in. And he analyzes injury management. Just strap it up and play on, lads. He also analyzes why we're so soft in the hub. And so Deus Ex Machina is a way of taking this bullshit idea of Cameo and trumping it into something altogether more useful for us and our club. What do you think? I think, it, I think that's a great idea. I understand the, uh, the tech component side. I'm not sure about the bringing dead people back to life side. I think we'd need to research that a little bit more. I'm not really sure on the, uh, on the um, logistics. logistics of doing that. But I, I think it's a great idea. I think if we're riffing on, on ideas um, off the back of Cameo, I, I've, I've actually got one. Mm-hmm. Um, now, having listened to the Cameo uh, of Connor, what's his name? Conor McKenna. McKenna. Conor McKenna. 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 Um, more than 45 Look, let, let's, you know, a few hits to the head and these football players, look, they're not, the, they're not the, they're not the best speakers, right? They're mm. not delivering impassioned pleas, but what they are good at, they're good at sending nudes. So <laughs> the idea would be a cameo type scenario where you pay a footballer to send a dick pic to a loved one. <laughs> Uh, for an anniversary, a birthday, or a party. Now, players need no introduction to um, to dick pics and, and Snapchat. It's happening on the reg. Um, even Collingwood's own Travis Cloak, Tony Armstrong, and Dane Swan were caught up in this scenario. But I can tell you what, gentlemen, they did not profit from that uh, experience. No. So for the princely sum of, you know, $50 for a 
any Collingwood player, probably a bit more for Darcy Cameron. I think oh, you'd have yeah. to pay yeah. you'd have to pay uh, overs and doubles for that. Anyone who follows us on Instagram will know exactly what we mean. That guy is huge on and off the field. Um, so there, we, I, I think we could monotonize, uh, monetize, and scrutinize and glorify the player nude. Um, payment system slash transaction. I mean, we'd all love to uh, receive a, a cheeky a cheeky ball from um, Tom Phillips or, you know, Scott Pendlebury. I mean, amazing, wouldn't it be? If you could just get a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on down there for, you know, not a lot of money. And uh, I think it's win-win. I think everyone prospers. Okay, so if there's an issue that needs to be covered, a question to answer, or you just think we're straight up wrong, uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Dr. Dong0960 and George underscore 1992 from our social media pages, then drop us a line on socials and tell us what you'd like to hear. We are at Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We love when we hear from you. Um, please keep the comments, suggestions, and questions coming. That's it for a bit of a bumper Um uh, pie hard for this week. Lots to cover off, as is always the case in the land of the pie. Thank you very much for joining us, Turbo. Great. Thank you. It was a good episode. Hopefully. Alex, pleasure as always. Uh, hope, you, hope you're staying safe down there. Feeling better, having talked to people and looking forward to getting back in the chair in a fortnight's time, as usual. This is Pie Hard. Pie Hard.